Robbie Pitts. Hello, Todd. <laughs> good morning. It's always, it's lovely to see you. It's, yeah, it's good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> How you been? It's been a whole year. It's been a whole year. <laughs> it has. Uh, I've been good. Well, um, start of the week, as it is, for us all. Yeah. You're in, um, you're currently in Los Angeles? Yep. Were you in Australia the last time? Yeah. The last time we spoke, I think you were in Australia? No, that was the first time when uh, okay. um, when when you and Joey both spoke to me. The last time uh, I spoke to you, no, that was, I was already back living in LA. Um, okay. I think I had, yeah, because I came back in March of 2021. So it's kind of wild. I mean, I'm sure you feel this too, just how kind of quickly time has gone by and even the concept of the, you know, that's initial stages of the pandemic, everything to do with that feels kind of so long ago. And yeah, I guess in I, some ways it sort of is. <laughs> yeah. Time is flying. Yeah, for, for you know, I, it's, it's always for better and for worse in, in a lot of ways, but there's nothing, there's nothing like immediacy um, to get you motivated. So, you know, gas right. yourself up. Clock's ticking. Hey. This is a temporary ride. You better do it up. How old are you now? I'm 36. 36. Wow. Yeah. 40s yeah. right around the corner. Yeah, I know. It's a wild thought. It's a very wild thought. Um, I mean, not only as a perhaps as a human being, but I think also as a role better. You know. Yeah. But. As the, each year goes by, there are more and more role leaders who are entering their 40s who either are um, new to it or even who have been skating for a long time. Did you turn 40 recently or? Last year. I can't remember what. Okay. Yeah, I just turned I 41. I thought, I thought it was. Nice. Yeah. Nice. How does it feel for you, like, at this point, you know, in terms of, like, sure, if you look 10 years back, like, you're life in a lot of ways might be quite significantly different right um physically i feel great psychologically i think there's there's new battles when you turn 40 that's what i've observed new battles in terms of uh in terms of like questioning things a little bit too much you get overly questioning i feel like yeah at least i have like no, I, I, I can completely understand that. Yeah. I've definitely noticed that a lot in, in regards to um, trying new things in life in general. Um, yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, it's kind of fascinating how you end up being like that. You feel like, um, I think you look at things at, with, with a larger scope of like how long things take to maybe like... Um, get into become skillful at and I think you look unfortunately a little too far ahead of yourself and I do think you always have to remind yourself like oh you, if you do want to start something new like just remember you know you you have to start at the beginning um and your life is not over so um and I do think there's also this element that you find yourself being way more critical of yourself in terms of maybe you're more self-conscious about like yeah. not not being good at something, not being skillful, looking, you know, clumsy. Uh, yeah, I guess you just become self-conscious or you can become self-conscious of feeling like you might embarrass yourself, right? 
Right. I think there's like there's a arrogance that you have in your 20s and your 30s. You just think you're the at least for me, I'm just speaking from my experience. I just felt yeah. like I was just the dopest shit, you know. And I feel like when you turn 40, my experience is I'm just so over myself. Like I I'm not I've kind of lost that that feeling like I'm special or I'm dope. Like I'm just like this 40-year-old like dork. You know, in some right. ways it's in some ways it's good, in some ways it's freeing because I feel like I don't have to live up to this like cool guy persona that I have intrinsically, but but for some things it, it can make life a little bit uncomfortable. Like who am I? What am I doing? And I absolutely yeah i think you also get comfortable with like your environment um particularly if you've become situated in something for a while it it like gives you context and identity to who you are and i guess breaking out of that you you become more vulnerable like very quickly so maybe there is a kind of thing because i i think about that a lot in terms of vulnerability within um different social situations and I guess the fact that like no one really wants to feel out of their depth or like you know to feel isolated amongst people we all kind of want I would figure want to find connection and you know ultimately just want to be liked or loved um right but uh, yeah I think that's the thing when you you know move forward in your life particularly like you enter your 20s and then enter 40s and um for you like saying entering your 40s all that time you're trying to find in some way probably some stability of of um connection to like yourself your identity uh the people around you your family it all comes really it becomes really solidified and i i do think that is for for the better in a lot of ways like finding comfort in all that is extremely wonderful um yeah but it's absolutely challenging like trying to do something outside of that because i imagine you know you 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 live in kamloops and i'm sure like you know if you traveled um you know it would give you a completely different experience or if you like just in regards to like interacting with more people or yeah how do you feel Definitely. like in regards to that i have been craving that for sure right. i've been craving some novel uh, locations and novel humans and, and kind of breaking out of my uh, routine and day-to-day. -day. I was very excited to go to Blading Cup, so I was yeah. really disappointed that that got cancelled. Because um, I have been, I, I hear what you're saying, I think I could benefit from from being around some different humans and skating some different spots and just experiencing some different places. Um, sure. And, and uh, you, um, so what are you up to in L.A. these days? Just living my best life. Nice. <laughs> or, or try, no, uh, in all seriousness, um, interesting sort of journey here uh, in, in a lot of the ways, particularly like post-pandemic for me, because um, I've been focusing on sort of entering and playing with di di different sort of opportunities that like I was always curious about and um, that I, I guess didn't really have the opportunity to sort of entertain. Um, one of like the main 
things that I've been doing kind of since I moved back here was like, um, I guess exploring exploring work opportunities and, and and just even just for myself, like working within like the commercial space of um, advertising, like being talent or an actor or a model for commercials and in, in that kind of way, because I'd never really done it too much before the pandemic. And I, I first connected with my agency like in in 2019 and then it wasn't even quite a year and then the pandemic you know happened and that changed the way everyone was doing things um and a lot of like i guess opportunities so it really wasn't until i came back um but i sort of had wanted to see how that kind of operated in terms of um just even as a work lifestyle because like for me back in australia for instance and actually for all the time i was living in in los angeles prior to the um the pandemic was basically i've i've always had you know it was either a part-time job you know when i was in high school or when i was um studying university um or you know pretty much like a full-time job or full-time job thereafter uh and i was focused on my artistic and creative pursuits whether that was um in or out of rollerblading at the same time but coming here, LA is such an interesting sort of city where there are people are sort of aspiring to be so many different things, finding all these different ways of, um, you know, making ends meet whilst pursuing the thing that they're trying to do, like lots of different streams of income. And I'd never really been exposed to that. My my family never really was like that. Um, even in my extended family, it was not really like that. Everyone in a lot of ways, like just sort of had one kind of job. You know, I didn't really know anyone who was like um, an actor, who was an artist or anything like, so I never had too much guidance as far as that. So in a lot of ways, this has been an experiment of um, seeing how that kind of goes. Um, and it's been, it's, it's been fun. Plus also, I would say it's also been quite um, a hard learning lesson too. But I guess in a lot of ways that with, uh, with a steady, you know, interest and uh, drive for rollerblading at the same time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Have you been Have you been skating in LA? I have. It's interestingly like um, I would say at times maybe not as much as I have prior, and I I think it's it's like you know because I've been rollerblading for I think twenty five years at this point at this year. Um, and yeah because i started in 98 and it, I, I do find over the course of the time i've been rollerblading my level of um it's like my love for it has never like waned it's always been the same but i do think level of like enthusiasm also motivation has altered at different times depending on context in your life um and i think there in some ways particularly if you're you get so interconnected with the industry side that that stuff can sometimes overshadow you know your initial sort of feeling of the act itself because sometimes Definitely. i personally find i think i end up thinking too much about culture the industry or community um when i'm not skating that it kind of impacts the my feeling towards skating in the sense that like as soon as I put the skates on and I go skating whether that is with other people um because obviously the social aspect of skating is the thing I absolutely love too but the main thing is like even I just put my skates on and skate it like kind of in 
like my backyard, the driveway we sort of have in the back of the house I live in, or whether I just go skating in the street out of my house, like that feeling of putting skates on drives me back to the initial kind of like the freedom of just rolling around. And like, even if I don't have obstacles to do tricks on the movement of being on skates, the thing that I'll probably always be addicted to. Um, so I find myself always having to remind myself to do that. Like, um, I've had, I've had like a few little injury issues this year that I haven't had as much in the past that I've had to take some time off on one being earlier in the year. Um, I gradually kept noticing it being an issue was the inside of my left knee. Like, just like, it wasn't really severe, but gradually it started to like impact the actual movements of my skating. Like, um, I remember when I was shooting photos of Brandon Smith for the wish frames promo, um, like I did this like shifty air over like a, a bank to bank channel gap kind of thing. And even doing that repeatedly over that session, like let's say it was 30 attempts for the, you know, to get the right photo, it gradually like intensified the pain more. So I remember off kind of, um, not too long after that, I took maybe like a month off from skating to rest it. I remember speaking to Ben Magaziner about um, some physical therapy of techniques of things I could do to, you know, strengthen the muscles and alleviate some of that tension. And that with, with the combination of being off skates uh, really helped alleviate. It doesn't cause me the pain it once did, um, which was, which was really amazing. Um, and then I didn't, I, I skated it in New York for um, when there was the Boshi Popoff and the Metro, Metro Clyde classic. Um, which yeah, was yeah. amazing, which was an amazing event. Um, but after that, my ankle actually was really uh, swollen, but it wasn't from, interestingly enough, it wasn't from my skates or from something due to skating. I'm pretty sure, and I've said this to people recently, which is kind of funny, but um, I'm pretty sure it was from like literally just walking an entire day, like a lot of going to a lot of different places, um, you know, maybe instead of catching the train, like walking there for like half an hour and then walking somewhere else to get food. And then, you know, literally the whole day, but I was in cowboy boots and I got, you know, like <laughs> raised Cuban heels. And I, they're not, I suppose in some ways, they're not really designed maybe for that, you know, to walk like yeah. across New York for that long. <laughs> but the next day my ankle was like really swollen and tender. And, um, and when I got back to LA, I remember putting my skates on, I was like, whoa, no way. So it's probably been a month since that and i've skated i think four times in the last week or so and it feels great now but it was it definitely was like i had to let it stop for a sec but but i i will also say this because i'd love to hear your 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 opinion on this if in regards to if you've had times where you've skated well you also i wish i'd say this you do have a winter that la doesn't experience but yes. i was going to see what you think about like i find if i'm off skates for a little bit Usually when I get back on them, it sort of re reinvigorates the the energy, the feeling, and reminds me of the love that I have for it. Um, yeah. How do you feel about that? Definitely. Yeah, it's a critical aspect is the reflection time, taking time off your skates. But it's frustrating because when you take time off, you get a little bit less dialed, a little bit less like physically adapted to it and and ref, and refined you get a bit rusty so it, it's healthy psychologically but then 
you have to deal with being a little bit rusty on your skates, not having all the all your skills like dialed into muscle memory and things like that. Um, but it's definitely critical. I think I think it's one of the reasons why there's there's so many good rollerbladers that come out of Canada is that forced reflection time of reflection um, during winter where you can't skate, you have to take a break. Um, Cause you definitely can skate too much and, sure. and you can lose appreciation for the simple feeling of, of rolling. And it's so healthy to take a break and then come back and put the things on and like, Oh wow. Just, just rolling, just being appreciative for that simple act. Um, Absolutely. You but find, you, you just have to you have to lower your expectations a little bit about what you're capable of after you've taken a break. That's very important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've um, I, I I I've been speaking of this like the past couple of weeks, which is kind of fascinating. That um, sometimes at the moment, like when I do put on my skates and you know go to intend to go out skating to um you know do tricks and that kind of stuff that there is this initial period within the first 10 minutes that I'm just like, whoa, is this even still accessible to me? Um, <laughs> just, 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 just because of like, maybe the element of rigidity within my body, like straight away. Um, and like the idea of like jumping on something really high feels like so out of reach. But then right. it usually just takes me, obviously, like just a little bit longer to first warm up and then sit down and stretch and then get back into it. So it's usually after like a 45 minute kind of period where I feel like, oh, no, like this, this, this is how I remember it. Like, sure, I'm not like trying to jump a really large gap, but the mobility is it, it becomes back. And particularly if you stay in that like fluidity of um of um you know not stopping skating so to speak like you, you're still moving around and, and being active and maintaining i guess that um whatever happens within your body within your muscles that it's activated uh i you right. know i usually feel fine um which is great so it's just i think it's that learning curve i think for me is is getting older and just understanding like the capabilities of your body and also kind of just working with that like you said like working within maybe um not having high, as higher expectations, but just working within your limitations. Because um, there's always, it's fascinating thinking about like if you skate for long enough, you've probably built up an arsenal of um, tricks that you, you find accessible that you can do. And I think the fascinating thing of like being an older skater um, and trying to have fun with it is that like you, I'm like far more like picky and choosy of uh, in regards to like the things I might attempt on things because often it's like the feeling and that feeling of challenge that I want, as opposed to being really specific sometimes with the trick that I'm just like, Oh, I, you know, I can get that same feeling, whether it was like doing um, the position as a soul grind, whether it, or it was like a Mizzou. Um, sometimes those things are so interchangeable at this point that it, it's um, I don't, I don't get too like hard on myself that I'm not doing like, um, like a, a, a true spin mark here or something, you know, or, or, or like I'll, I'll go a whole session and I didn't even do a top side. Um, <laughs> yeah, because, because the enjoyment of the tricks that I still did were still gratifying. Um, and it's just like, right. oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Right. Do you, do you find that for yourself with like, cause. Oh I mean, yeah. 
you're you're immensely talented and you can do a lot of tricks um at this point but, uh, a lot of a lot of days i go out skating and um it, harder tricks are just not within my reach you know they're just simple you know you just have to start from from where you are and just be accepting of like mm. okay today is just a simple you know i'm just doing soul grinds just like hitting some royales or whatever um it's so important to to keep your expectations low because i've had a lot of experiences where my expectations of myself are really high and then yeah. i put the skates on and then like you said you realize how difficult it actually is you know things are really easy when you're off your skates when you're lying in your bed and thinking about skating you're like oh yeah i'm gonna do this and this and you can get you can get ahead of yourself and that can cause so much frustration when you actually are actually out in the world skating you know you have wheels under your feet and there's all these variables and the pavement is rough and you know in real life the shit is hard so you have to you know it's important for me to keep my expectations really low and then from that you slowly build up and then sometimes you are capable of of those harder things or new innovative things um but it, you have to allow it to happen naturally um, yeah absolutely that's that's something that i've been thinking about a lot is like how do you create the conditions mentally for a good session because um, it's something that I've struggled with for, you know, decades, um, and I have not mastered. You would think by the time you were, by the time you were 40, you would master the psychological game and and be appreciative right. for the simple things. But um, but I still do deal with like very frustrating sessions. Do you ever get frustrated by skating or go out and just kind of get bummed on it or bummed on yourself? Yeah, certainly. Um, I think it's like, it's always sort of like good to remind yourself that like, you know, there's another day um, and not to get like too preoccupied with like what you're getting down on yourself. Cause sometimes you just like might need a reset. A lot of the time, sometimes right. it could be um, external factors that are like interfering with like your capacity to enjoy yourself like it might be things to do with your social life your family life you know your home life your job like all those things can sometimes impact you know and as much as we want the escape of, of skating sometimes it might not happen um right but you know you i suppose you also can like channel that energy into it too i know people definitely have like um spoken to me about that in the past and i'm sure i have too maybe there's elements of frustration and you sort of like use that within skating and it might come yeah. out like you know it might be more more of an emotive response that you're kind of a bit more aggressive even more than right. just being a an aggressive role later uh well it's funny but, uh, how that can be a that can be a, a double-edged sword you can use that stress in your life and and you can turn it into gold you can kind of harness it in the right way absolutely. and 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 use it as fuel or it can really you know ruin your your session if it, if you can't really let go of it it can you know be hard to get out of your head um yeah so it's funny how that it can it can really aid you or it can it can ruin your session 
depending on kind of maybe maybe how you're dealing with it or how you're approaching the session. There's so many variables, right? That's what absolutely. Yeah. Also, also whether you're like choosing to film something or not, um, and I'm sure you can agree to that as well. That changes the dynamic. And yeah, like I often feel like in some ways when I just skate, I have usually a pretty healthy level of expectation that I'm enjoying myself mostly when I'm doing it. Um, I always find there's that like repetition of like trying to do the trick when when you're like trying to film it, and it's just that repeated process of going around and around. And it's almost a little bit like maybe kind of trying to equate it to like, let's say you're doing a run um, or, or like a certain time, maybe it's something at the gym, right? Like you've, it's like allocated, like you have to do like this amount within like 10 minutes or something and it becomes agonizing. I find like sometimes filming tricks being like that, you know, particularly if it takes a lot of your, um, your energy and you sort of get, you know, a bit of fatigue over over the course of time of trying it, and you still haven't like got it kind of to the point where you're accepting it, or or, or to how your standards are, or you're liking it. But that's probably like really sometimes one of the only times like where it does really affect you. It's that kind of balance because like you know, there is a healthy thing in filming. There is a, a wonderful thing of being able to like you know share your takes, share your progression, share your love of skating share something greater to the language of skating but uh at the same time i feel like it could can also be a burden to the expression of just your own skating for or your time skating because it's it's like you enter a different kind of um dimension as soon as like the camera pops out and you become focusing oh, yeah. on, on 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 doing that with someone D different i think we've spoken in the past different if someone was just constantly filming from afar um but yeah sometimes like that in itself can be difficult but I also look at it. I've noticed. I've noticed that you're. Sorry, go on. I was just gonna say. I I noticed that that's not like exclusive to rollerblading, but lots of people, you know, in different other jobs and industries, like find that as well. You know, sometimes you just have to persevere with the whatever it is and get through the day, get through the job. Um, you know, and you find the best in at times maybe an uncomfortable or even an ag agonizing situation. Actually, I think it's a huge skill to have in, in life, um, not to just pull out or give in as soon as like there is a bit of like hardship faced. And I find that when right. filming a lot, I'm sure you can relate to that. Like there's times where you, you, you do really want to give up, but I actually think personally, my tolerance for that kind of suffering, maybe it's a horrible way to describe it, but it kind of is. Um, is quite high. I have a high tolerance and I think my endurance is pretty good. It's definitely, it's good to develop that persistence. For sure, it's a great yeah. life skill because you're always gonna run into difficult things. Yeah, but I've noticed that you you did the, um, the I think the last edit you put out was the Skate Hard 3000 uh, edit yep. and that was about a year ago. Yeah, um, exactly. So it, it kind of looks like you've taken a, a little break from creating edits or, or filming. Yeah. Um, have you been filming at all or are you kind of intentionally taking a break from it? Yeah, it's sort of a couple of things. Like I would say a lot of the time, you know, like for instance, with Skate Hard 3000, I was, um, um, I enlisted my good mate, John Jenkins, 
to come and film that. Like, um, I, I approached it like any, I suppose any other industry would like, you know, I paid him for his time, flew him out here to, to work on it together. I tried to be as strategic as possible to minimize the amount of, um, you know, loose time you can sometimes have when you go skating and filming. But, um, I think because of there's that dynamic, that's not really there anymore. Um, as, as you mean as, like I, a filmer skater yeah, dynamic? Well, well, yeah. Because also like I, be, I became a filmer for a good period of time too. Um, and I'm not really actively filming skating, so I don't really bring my camera out and in turn, like for instance, with full spiral, um, and also with like burn LA, I would have people be filming who I was filming would be filming me. Um, but that, relationship is not quite the same anymore in in, in that in just my relationship to skating like I haven't really been as focused or as motivated to want to go out and film because it is quite like it is quite a task um so in in a lot of ways I feel like kind of happy with what I created at the time and I more just sometimes want to just get out there and just skate for myself in yeah. in terms of just just remind myself of the fun and your experience that you have and you, you know you can still capture fun stuff on your phone and like I'm not as like concerned as much with um with you know there used to be that notion of like if you recorded it on your phone that it would be like something that felt more throwaway you know that you wanted to save it for something with um a quote-unquote legitimacy as a video part but I'm much more loose about that now and I feel a lot of other people are too but I will also say this is um I, I approach sort of anything where I really put my time and energy into um, being an artist I want to have something to say with like something that I put my time and energy into um, feeling like maybe there's something I could contribute from it like I felt like for instance with Skate Hard 3000 that there was um it was enter it was about really about documenting things that I had been like exploring and playing with, you know, maybe a year or so leading up to that that I hadn't got out and 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 recorded it. Mostly also because it was the pandemic and we weren't even able to do that. Um and so I Yeah, really that's really that. innovative, uh some new ideas for sure. Oh, in that edit. Yeah, I re I, I really want to to try to be immediate and, and 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 to put it out so w within that that's what i felt like um was part of the purpose you know was to was it i ha i had the overall vision for for what i needed to do i knew i wanted it to be sort of um in contrast to full spiral which i felt was um it felt like more of this like rollerblading saga you know because it, it's like stretches like a uh, like I think all up within the credits and the intro, like about nine minutes. So it's sort of more this longer kind of journey that you're taking. And I, I really wanted to create something in contrast to that, that was far more uh, immediate, that like was just like almost abrasive and a heightened emotive state. Um, you know, I wanted it all to be at night. I wanted it all to be fisheye. There was, there were just these different modes of expression that I wanted to put out through that. And I think kind yeah. of since, also, I will say this too, it was like, it also was like the first time, you know, doing something, a, a video part that like, um, you know, I wasn't a part, I, I wasn't filming it like on a pair of them skates or Valos. It was like kind of, I, at that point was sort of on my own 
um, and I wasn't really associated with any company other than Wish Frames, that it felt like I, to be honest, because there was a whole period where I felt really disconnected with skating because, um, because of that industry side got sort of like, I got lost in the source, you know, like you get too in depth with that side and I forgot like the initial kind of um, feelings and passion that you're connected to the act. So that was actually a really liberating video to do because it felt like I, I really wanted to do it kind of like for myself to come out of the pandemic to something that I feel really proud of that like was very much me, but also taking me to somewhere I hadn't gone before. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's still kind of part of the world. Like, it's still of the world of full spiral. Like, um, but um, but yeah. So it was a liberating kind of experience doing that. And I feel like since then, I haven't fully necessarily had the opportunity, or also, I had. I just also think I haven't really had as much to say. And I think that that's kind of okay. Um, and I'm Definitely. not like necessarily. Yeah, I'm not really in a position to like force myself to to just skate for skating's sake so i'm kind of glad that it's like i i i at this point i i do consider like something you know to be on the horizon that i would like to like embark on something at some point because um mm -hmm. the, the, you know times are sort of feeling right which which i think it's a wonderful thing you know like to get like that that sounds really healthy uh that you're not forcing uh, anything and you don't feel um, like you're required to to put something out I do think a lot of people kind of they they feel like they need to periodically put something out or, or they don't feel complete or they feel um, like something's missing but it's it sounds really healthy that you, you don't really care and and I'm I'm confident that at some point naturally that urge will come to you and you'll really really want to create something and that's probably where the best things come from is is when when the desire to do it is natural and you don't feel like you need to do it because we definitely don't need to do it um mind you i'm very excited for for whatever you're going to create next and i do think thank you uh i like the way you speak about wanting to what did you say? Wanting to wanting to add something or wanting to communicate something? Yeah, like, um, like contribute. Contributing to rollerblading. Yeah. Use. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, your contributions are like definitely um, very innovative, and you know, like like very. I mean, yeah, skate hard three thousand, and I mean all your edits. A lot of the movements that you do are are new and things that a, a lot of people aren't aren't doing. Um, so it's always uh, exciting when you when you come out with with stuff. Thank you. Um, so I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm happy that you're that you have a healthy approach, but I'm also excited for the next thing that you create. You know, it's, you know, it's sort of interesting, like thinking about like um, other disciplines, like um, um, like for instance, it could be music. There's kind of there's an interesting way, like, I mean, there are obviously, like, if you get a record deal, there's expectations of how much you need to produce, like, within that period of time and whatnot. But um, also, like, some people can get fortunate that they can allow themselves enough time to sort of, like, gestate and, and have something to say. But also, maybe at the same time, they're able to tour, you know, or play shows of, like, 
their back catalog or their current material or something. Right. Um, skating sometimes always has this thing where it's like you have to do something all the time or like something new and it's it's a bit of a sometimes a, a burden I think to like being right. um, a participant in like wanting to contribute to to the culture in in, in that way because um, sometimes it can be a really it ends up being a, a big disservice to um, to to skaters you know if you like oversaturate yourself it can it can really work against you even if you are extremely talented um, I I also think like you know, if we're like drawing that music comparison, like a music comparison could be like if there were more demos, you know, because it's not like when you go out, um, not that I've had the experience of doing demos that much, but like you're show, you're showcasing a part of your skating, you know, to, to the world. I remember like, I think it's an ego. Mike Johnson says something about like how, you know, when you're at, at um, a demo, you're like doing like, a quarter or something of like of our power of our full power or something but like that's the stuff like i i'm really interested in more now like whenever i go to a skate sorry I, I thought you were i thought you were gonna say the like i think he says um you come to watch <laughs> us skate we don't yeah. come to watch you skate <laughs> i always <Yes>. like <laughs> that's, that's true <laughs> i mean and it's very that would be something that you do the t-dogs like coming out to show the pros up like no, kid, you come to watch us skate. I don't think I, I. I certainly could not have that like um way that attitude because I also am like bewildered and and uh, startled and amazed if just anyone sees me at, as as a position of like um. I don't know. Maybe this is this is probably too great of uh, too strong of a word of greatness, you know, or something like. I, I've I've it's hard sometimes when you've done something for so long to be like. Oh yeah, I guess I'm sort of in somewhere maybe in a world where those things are, you're like those people, but I often just feel like so much like any other rollerblader. Uh, I will say I'm just grateful that anyone appreciates and likes what I do, which is which is the wonderful exchange of like giving yourself to the world, um, not only as a rollerblader but as an artist and as an individual. Um, but what what I was gonna say is that like. Whenever I go to skating events, the thing that these days, okay, so here's, here's a great example, like skating and film and, and working on films and videos, whether like, you know, you're working on a video part, uh, whether it's for me and I'm editing it or whether I was working with other people or whether, um, you know, even, even if I was making a video for something, it's all sometimes a bit of like a, um, the drive is, is, it really comes from yourself. Um, and you're just trying to actualize this um, this thing really for yourself first and foremost. And one of the things I love about going to events is that like it feels very much less about me, and that I often skate because like obviously I'm not like Julian Cudo, for instance. Like um, I don't ever skate in those contests, you know, thinking that there is any chance of like any benefit of winning or anything. Uh, but I just skate in it for participation so that the the event has like one extra person skating in it um that there's also one extra like option of like you know that there's more visibility that there's you're representing like another stream of skating that kind of exists like you're just like giving a showcase i treat it more like a demo and i actually like that's a part of skating that i really have been loving and thriving on is that just like being at like a skating comp or an event 
and just skating with people as opposed to it yeah. being you're skating in it and trying to do your best because you're going to win, for instance, and just being right. um, be, like just trying to embody and be an ambassador of skating um, right. is in, in the community. Yeah. And that sounds like such a healthy approach, trying to contribute and take part as opposed to beating everybody and winning um, just yeah, like or, a demo. And there's and there's nothing there's nothing against that you know like I I respect right. and, and admire like that kind of pursuit in skating too and some people are yeah. immensely talented at it but it just takes a different it's a different focus right and also a lot Definitely. of people go go to those events for that spectacle at the same time yeah. um but yeah I just I think that I think like with anything you you always have to find a at least I find there's a I think this sort of speaks to me as as a person is that um, most of my life I always felt like I probably gave more than took, um, and there you know there's certainly reasons as of why like uh, my personality evolved to being that way you know uh, being more um, being more giving as opposed to taking, but I think just in general. Um, in, in the skating world, it's it's really important to balance yourself of how much you take versus how much you give. You know what I mean? I think that's like a good thing to um, if 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 you're at a point also particularly where um, you're you're in a position where of maybe influence or um, people looking at you, um, I th I think I think that becomes like something that's really healthy just to remember of like you know to give to other people because also you're probably not where you are without people appreciating what you do. Right. When you, when you say you should um, give more than you take, like what exactly are you, you referring to? Oh, as in how like I used to be someone who like gave more than I took? Like what exactly are you talking about giving and taking? In the context of skating or? Yeah. Um, well, it could be like, um, contributing. I mean, you could like literally turn up to an event and not have any amount of, um, of involvement in it at all. Um, other than maybe just skating in it, which I think is also, that's a giving too. like, you, you know, going to an event and you don't, and you consciously choose to maybe not skate it because who knows, you could feel above it or something. Um, right you know or just or or the, like i do sometimes feel like there's there there's attitudes in the community that end up going that way unfortunately but it's like those events are a result of like people's hard work um i, I mean I, I i can't go to every event unfortunately it's just not like uh timing wise financially it's just not possible as much as i would love to be out interacting and skating with everyone it's just not possible so i'm course, always grateful yeah. i'm always grateful whenever i get to go to one um, and in some ways, like, I don't know, it could be, um, there, it's, I think there's a multitude of examples of what it could be. It could be something in the present. It could be taking the opportunity to talk to other people, you know, to talk to right. other skaters, engage in conversation, maybe engaging in a session with each other. Um, you know, it also could be, you know, on a, on a grander scale it could be giving back to the community as as a part of like you could start a company if that's like something that you're invested in that you feel like you, you could contribute something of yourself that goes beyond the skating 
maybe you know you're a, a great graphic designer maybe maybe you, you are a filmmaker so you, you make videos or you know like you, you really want to like you really want to push the technology of urethane so you get into like the wheel manufacturing or you're someone uh you know like justin thursday you know or obviously like cletus coon of, of wish frames who like really saw the need to create this hybrid frame of a hilo frame and and um actualize it into the world particularly at a point when there was like none of that right um, but it doesn't even have to be about also product, which is obviously a financial right. thing. It could just be about like hosting a, a, a group skate meet, which is, I'm amazed at the amount of options people have, like particularly in a big city, big city like Los Angeles. Now there are so many just like rollouts and like nightly skates that are like not obviously not even aggressive focused, um, you know, and there's lots of like weekend events, um, that are happening. And again, there's almost so much that like um, at this point, like be, living in a big city like L.A. that um, like I can't attend them all, unfortunately. Um, like Rashad Johnson puts on a, a, a great effort to put on like the first Sundays. Um, and there's just always lots of things like happening. And I think that's like a, a really awesome thing, like seeing people um, giving, you know. Um, but I also will say this is because I, I feel like I learned from people of an older generation of me back in Melbourne of watching them put on events and giving to the community like Tim Ward put on the Melbourne skate meets like from the around 2002 onwards um and then he sort of stopped being able to be as active so like I took upon that role and just started doing it um because none of us wanted to see it go and I think like being a good example for particularly now that there's like a newer generation and a younger generation of just showing that like getting them involved in, in the community and um, knowing that there is a local community, there's like a national community, there's an international community. And just like slowly, you know, if you love skating, um, remember to like give back a little bit, like go to one of those events or, um, you know, maybe it could be, you could buy a shirt. I don't know. But like, I think that is like, kind of a, an important thing as you get older you don't have to be in a position of influence um because also at the same time i could say everyone has the possibility of like having influence positively in a community you don't have to be a superstar by any means right not saying not saying that i am but but you, you, you get my kind of vibe like you, you and joey are a wonderful example of that of like two people who are so remotely removed from a global community who have had an immense and significantly important uh, cultural influence on rollerblading and I know that the two of you would know that it's very obvious if you look around 2023 uh, but you're, you're also probably very modest about it too you know um, and I just that probably just speaks both to like your character but um you know and and you didn't go about it to like wanting to necessarily like have an egotistical view of like changing rollerblading you just wanted to do the things that you did with your with with your friends and your group and you just were your active way of exchange of the exchange of giving to the community was the output of a video now right. obviously like you make products too because i mean you two have like some of the, the the people who like have long been obsessed with trying and exploring products and and really like you know giving your own feedback and i think that has benefited from skating like that k2 frame that you know you were you and joey like had 
involvement in and then how that is obviously like even it planted seeds for other frames that like you know have um probably gestated from those initial ideas you know mm. right yeah there's, it's, all, it's all giving there's there's so many ways that you can give um even just even just thinking about your presence at a session as giving in terms of like how can i make this whole experience more enjoyable for everyone else as opposed to just being hyper focused on yourself and the tricks that you do like how can i encourage other people and how can i be you know a force of like positive energy that enhances everybody's experience as opposed to just like worrying about your own enjoyment and you know you can do that at a, at a contest or at a session taking more time to like help yeah. a, a friend you know get get a clip maybe that they're working on or encourage them to push their skating in a in a certain way if you see someone doing something that you think is interesting and unique like encouraging them to like go further in that direction sometimes people need to need to hear that and, and people can benefit from having a coach that can spot certain things that they're doing and you know it's it, it can be difficult to uh to really appreciate the unique skills that you have because in your head it's just oh it's easy whatever but someone else yeah. might see that and be like no like you, you need to take that further like that i think about that that like porn star slide that you do that mm -hmm. you've taken like so far you do thread the needles into it and you stare bash down like big sets just with that you've done so much with that one little unique skill right um did you have someone help you foster that or is that just something that you you realize like this is really natural for me i want to do this on like a huge set of stairs i want to thread the needle into this and i mean you've done so many cool things with just that one little that movement move. yeah yeah i think um i think it was just like to the point where i just discovered something in it and it felt like enjoyable to explore the opportunity of it i think one of the things particularly if we're talking about that move you know which um it's sort of in between like is it a set slide is it a like is it just a slide i often I actually yeah. call that i call that a star slide nice um and I, one of the things that's always like gravitated me toward that was like I loved, I always loved doing ses slides. And once I really got into being fairly good at doing Royale ses slides, I I loved how that like a ses slide didn't require an obstacle. It's like you know, it's a flat surface, you know, yeah. of any kind. Um, well, obviously you can do things on. All sorts of stuff you can do them downstairs which are not flat but essentially like you, you could do that anywhere like you don't have to find like a perfect like ledge or rail to like put that trick on and i loved that like skating you could do these movements uh or tricks or be expressive in your in your um in your form and your physique without having anything and that was kind so of one accessible of the ones that I, yeah that was one of the ones i really liked and i also um i just i think trying to remember like i think the first one i kind of really played with was like quite a while ago and it uh it was in um, what was it in 
I don't I think it, I think it came out something later. Like it might have been in uh, this video that my friend Jared Thackeray put out for Parallel called Wander. But I did it before. Like it was like within the sort of filming time of Chapter Two. I did it down the stair set. Um, yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I just I guess I just kind of enjoyed that sort of position um, and being playful with it because there's something about also being like an you know a very tall rollerblader and being able to like suck into a ball um and um and I, you know like you can do it kind of standing up high you can suck into a ball like you know sometimes like i you know i'll i'll grab it like stale um or yeah um it just i just love the kind of freedom of making a body movement that's like removed of no, an obstacle um yeah yeah and i think but i think it all sort of like stems again from like set slides. I think I remember the first time when I saw, um, God, this was such a, a, I feel like a revolutionary trick when I saw it, it was, um, it was like, I think it was 2015, could have been 2014 actually, might've been 2014, it was uh, Danny, Danny Beer in his like, that was, it was a Seber edit for him and Brian Long. And he yeah, does yeah. like fake, fake 180 Mistral sets like down a set of stairs. Um, in Vancouver, oh, yeah. and I just—I yeah. don't think I'd ever seen that before. And been like, dude, that is amazing. Um, and yeah, I don't. Um, I so like I—I th I think even back then, like may maybe maybe that was like it, it could have actually been part of part of the origin of like exploring the idea of um, doing the star slide down stairs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember like. You know, you'd always see stuff of like Nicol Barris doing sort of like soul slides and the, the acid slides, which uh, I think they called them a flat iron. Um, Ma Malcolm used to do all sorts of like, you know, unusual um, sort of Mizzou slides, which I think he called like the, I can't remember the names, it was like the turnbacker or something like that. that would, um, but, you know, like even before that, like there's just lots of people who have sort of like played with different things of that nature. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's always like comes back to that thing of like, and that's actually, that's actually one of the, the themes or the concepts that I really tried to explore within Skate Hard 3000 of like, um, really removing the obstacles and bringing it down to the ground level. I, I, I wanted it to really be like, even if I grinded something, it was like close to the ground, like it, it was a curb being really like feeling, um, that kind of connection to the surface. Cause I feel sometimes we do get pretty disconnected from it. Like particularly if you're just like scanning a handrail, the ground doesn't seem like, seems like such like a kind of um, a byproduct of just the environment. It's allowing you to, to like get right. onto the rail and down. Um, and yeah, like that's kind of like- the I definitely think that feeling. Yeah, I think that's something that skating today is a lot, uh, better at um using the ground than we used to be it used to be just a byproduct yeah. of you jump from the ground onto the rail or yes. into the air to gap but the ground was just like an approach and a landing and that's it i think like a, lo a lot of things like particularly when i look at skating and like c contributing ideas and tricks like you know also have come from um maybe you know initially being inspired by things of like in the past um that i that i loved when i was younger and 
uh, maybe just like recontextualizing them. Like I remember like John Elliott is like one of the first rollerbladers that had a huge significant impact on me. And I remember like being 14 and doing power slides in power slides to grinds, like on down ledges, just exactly like he did, you know, like in uncloned. And, um, and I also remember like, yeah, when I was like really starting to skate a lot more and like when I, when I just moved to LA and I, I'd done chapter two, but I was filming, um, for paycheck. Like, you know, there were things like, there's a trick that I remember that Charles Dunkel did that I always loved was like, um, I think he does it in still this video. He did like top acid on a handrail and then landed in power slide. And then he pops up to Elliot Turrell, like 180 out, like sort of things yeah, like yeah. that. Like I loved how you could push the, um, the the trick beyond the beyond the parameters of just like the obstacle itself and it seems amazing right. to watch skating now where that's almost becoming like commonplace um it's it's uh really quite beautiful you know that the ending of the trick um doesn't have to be as soon as you land also it's like right. there's that thing where we were just talking about like even if it's a flat ledge the skating up to it and away from it like sometimes seems so disregarded and it's like well it didn't really matter you were on rollerblades you know and <laughs> yeah. um yeah it's like that that connection of like the rolling and 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 your actual style that you can express through that is to me it's so important and i even think about how i move now as to whether you looked at chapter 2 my body movements are like way more um um they're they're more expressive and i feel like i'm i'm engaging in a different um, I'm getting in a different feeling from skating because I'm trying to use more of my body in a sort of gestural kind of way. Um, it's al- it's almost a bit more like like dancing because I was always probably a bit more like afraid to dance when I was younger. Um, whereas I, I partake in it a lot now. I love dancing. And I think yeah. that has helped. That has helped that freedom of movement. It's helped uh, a confidence within me. Um, you know, and there's something within that that I can also think like can speak to your expression in skating rather than like what trick you're doing because also yeah. um you know the some of the things that we love so much about skating is the things that we can't replicate ourselves and it's and it's like that sometimes can be a certain style of a topsoil for instance like a john julio topsoil is a john julio topsoil you know um yeah. but um but like the way someone moves on skates like how dominic Sigona like moves on skates is so uniquely him the way Brandon right. Smith skates around is so uniquely him. Um, and I think, I almost think those are the things that you want to hope you can attain, that you feel like that there is something that like becomes uniquely you in the movement, as opposed to like, uh, you, like you, you, you being just something that expresses like a, a skill set of tricks. Cause that kind of feels right. more a little bit, maybe that's more partially sometimes a little bit more aligned with like the competitive spirit of skating of contest. Right. And it's, it's more defined, you know, it's a defined body position, a top yeah. acid or a kind grind or, you know, the, the most expressive artistic things are, like you said, when it's more just dancing, I mean, dancing is, is extremely general. There's so many different ways you could dance and, and move your body. Um, when you're doing things that are not preordained or there isn't like a history and a proper way of doing it, when it's just like you, that's that's the most expressive that rollbedding can be. Something that me and Joey have talked about a lot lately is how 
grinding is really a big it can it can be a big um what's the right word distraction or blinder to yeah. other possibilities sure so it's like you'll have like a an, an amazing environment and there's like a really nice ledge so you have all this interesting architecture all these yeah. possibilities but we become so hyper focused on this on this ledge i mean and i'm guilty of it because like it's 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 so much fun right sure. and, and and you're and it's like this it's like this gold nugget that you see and it's like oh yeah this ledge i'm so into this and then yeah. you become blinded to all these other possibilities around you i and love when obstacles become just um just a part of the the trend like the your transit like through a space you know like i right. like, I, I love like the last couple of sessions i've had i've just gone to this parking lot in la and i love just like it's really open curbs there are like really wax it's like really so fun but like um what i do for a lot of the time is like i'll just carve around and like move and just you know like you know i do crossovers and i'll skate faking and i'll just and i'll do all that but then like every so often i'll end up close to the curb and i just like jump up so grind or like i just jump up like a monkey right. and it's and it's just part of the movement of continuing the overall um you know like transit around this space rather than going there and just like but it's also like like i also am like maybe in a position of like i have the ability because i've also been rollerblading so long so like i've learned i've gone to these ledges and i've learned how to sweat stance i've learned how to royale like i've done those so much so you know you've had starts, those obsessive yeah practicing yeah, so, sessions so, so people in skating yeah. who start i i totally understand how they get obsessed with learning grinds and wanting to do the next variation of it or whatever but like oh, it's, so it's funny fun. yeah it's just funny how like for me now like like that's not really the concern at all like i also i can almost just give them up like and i'm fine if i just buzz around and um it's almost like a connection to like the original sort of movement of skating that you know uh, like was happening in the birth of skating in the late 80s of just like it was more about you moving and stuff you know or like even when they first did the grinds you know it was just like about sliding on something it was a front side and that like that feeling it didn't matter about the technical well obviously it wasn't accessible at the time but now for me it's like it doesn't really matter about the technical aspects sometimes of the of the grind it's really just about personally feeling the movement of like grinding across the ledge and then keep going so i kind of like i kind of embrace that at this point that's sort of like how i sort of like find myself that's yeah that's a healthier i mean it's a, yeah i mean Either way, it can be really fun to hyper-focus on the ledge, but you really are just blinding yourself to all these other possibilities. I think at like what you described in your younger days of going through those hyper-focused periods of time, it's kind of like yeah. rollerblading as a whole has yeah. gone through those hyper-focused times. And now yeah. it's starting to like look around and seeing all these other possibilities. You know, another um, thing I've but found of... Sorry, go ahead. Just, I mean, it is a necessary part of somebody's process. If they do want to gain all these technical skills, you do need to like hyper focus on all, all these things. 
Um, but it's important not to, it's important to, I think, uh, variation is very important in, in yes, skating. Yes. Maybe, absolutely. maybe you do have those sessions where you're hyper-focused, but then you do have those sessions where you're just like rolling around and connecting to that very simple act of just cruising through a environment. Yeah, I had, I had a session, um, it was for, um, uh, it was it was for a memorial session for Joey who who, who had passed away uh, earlier, and they um, we had like a big session at the Paramount Skate Park here. And I remember during that session, um, I just got into like really wanting. I started playing with uh, Trispin negative Mizzou's, and I'm not sure if I had done it before, but it was like again, I just felt I uh, entertained what felt right at the moment, and I just wanted to explore that movement and I just caught hyper-focused on doing another ledge, you know? So I, yeah, I sometimes yeah. you said like variation, I go back into like wanting to do something like that too, because it's still like a, a, a challenge and it's fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. I think the, the, the only problem is when it becomes too much of the focus and yeah, you don't see those, those other things, but it's fun to go into the rabbit hole sometimes and just become hyper-focused on like a, very micro movement you know yeah i um i sometimes like think about um how like particularly if you're doing those things and it becomes about like there's there's a your there's a potential that it contributes to skating greater um i think about in the relation of like more so now I think about how people who don't skate interact with the the skating in which I could possibly do in that, like most people who don't have an exposure to skating, like don't know those technicalities, you know, and if you're like exploring, you know, hyper-specific um, movements or body positions, they're going to go over the head of like an average person or someone who oh, has yeah. like a very, very entry level, like maybe to rollerblading, maybe they're just like a rec skater. Um, and, you know, they might see a front side the same as whether you, you did like something else, you know, um, oh, yeah. maybe the feeling of just sliding down something is like, what's the most captivating. So sometimes I try to like think about, well, how can you reduce that technicality down to just something that is uh, expressive in the same way of when I originally found skating that, you know, was really just like jumping over the stairs and um, it didn't matter about like how many spins you did. It was more about whether you did it with, you know, a safety grab or whether you Luke hanged or whether you'd stale grabbed, um, uh, right. you know, it was, uh, it was more about like the fact that you just, you just jumped over it and it was an expressive, uh, an expressive moment uh so i i, I try to sometimes I, I try to sort of embody that or keep reminding myself of that um these days too i think it's kind of important but the other thing I, I wanted to ask about you because in terms of like you and joey both like love skating street you have such a, a rich history of of um loving street skating in terms of like culturally but also like how of what you've participated in of giving to the culture is like you know a lot of it's been through street skating and with living in LA, like with the amount of like skate parks that have popped up, like over the course of you know the past five years, um, there's you're, it's a it's, skate parks are so accessible now, and it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like you know we both you know when I started skating in this small town, like there wasn't even a skate park. So even though I watched yeah. skating contests and I watched Vert 
none of that was accessible. The only thing was going to the local school and sliding on wooden benches. Um, but w what I was going to ask is that, like, even though it's so accessible to skate these skate parks, which are often so perfect now, um, at least in LA, that um, sometimes I find that experience extremely stale. Um, right. Of skating those obstacles. Um, there is something about, like, street skating that I still love so much, even if it is just skating in that parking lot, that there is an inconsistency to the space. Uh, there's a there's a coarseness to to like not only the ground that you're rolling on, but it also might be like the ledge that you're sliding on or whatever you're interacting with. It's not obviously intended for it. Right. Um, and I also say like being an adult, being 36, like I also approach street skating differently than I was maybe with like a I wouldn't say I was a reckless you know uh, kid or teenager, but like you definitely disregard like destruction of property in different ways. Like I won't just yeah. I won't just skate anything. Um, I have to say I love I love, love throughout your edits. There's the there's a theme of being really respectful for like uh, the environment. Like there's the scene of you in reactivated like picking up the scooters and and in oh, yeah. Danny's edit like cleaning the grass that you kind of messed up. I really appreciate that. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I've always sort of felt that there's this thing and I feel like it's just learning from like maybe my upbringing of like uh, putting things back the way you found them or like, you know, if you there was always that thing when people like would skate a handrail and they would just like land on the other side and just mess up like a beautiful garden that yeah. like a school maybe spent lots of money on like, um, you know, like creating and uh right and so a worker I, spent hours like yeah. meticulously doing and i think even this. as a teenager i knew that that it was like kind of wrong but even if i did land on a grass or something i try to be a little gentle with it but yeah. like or, or or whatever point like try it's also that thing of like even at, like at the metro Car classic at the very end like contest people do that they'll say can everyone like be so uh, uh, you just take a moment to like throw out the trash that you see around you we really need to uh, you know put the space back to the way we found it you know so that we could continue to put on these events and i think that right. uh, translates with street skating too that if you're not overly disruptive um you know to like the area around it that you're not like leaving trash or you're not like you know ripping up the garden or whatever like that they're not going to be that um probably upset with you skating it um right unless unless it becomes a whole other things of obviously like liability and blah, blah 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 all that stuff but like but realistically i think um if you are respectful with the spaces that you skate it often can be okay i i i yeah. really nowadays like i don't like if a new building is popped up i don't i almost feel it's predatory like there's this thing of like people loving to like hit this brand new ledge that's like perfectly you know it's a new concrete ledge that's popped up in a, something you know an apartment building or something which is funny because like you know skating is so far removed nowadays of like a political act of like you know this this sort of like um you know like a, like a um a cultural like an aggression like anger youth or something that's so reactionary that even like street skating could be say that was like you know in the history of street skating like you know back to skateboarding could be reactionary to stuff like that but you could think of like maybe grinding a ledge, brand new ledge outside the front of like this beautiful built like apartment building is like a, a political statement to gentrification or something. But no one is making these artistic sca statements in skating. <laughs> but 
but but so like i won't skate stuff like that you know like i, I really don't like skating people's houses um yeah you know for the most part obviously right like unless someone's cool with it but um right it's like it's just like kind of like it's a respect it's like growing as a person um i think i remember like watching young welsh's a recent thing of it was uh maybe it was one of his vault sessions with um omar Song and ken lee but he maybe made the 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 statement which i've felt before of being you know an older member of society like obviously we're not talking about being like um the elderly but like just being older in general and um thinking of whether or not you can still like hop the fence to a school in the same way you did when you're a teenager and you you could care you wouldn't think anything about it i also sometimes think in regards to things like that like it's funny how the act of skating still takes you back to those youthful days if you've been doing it for so long um yeah so yeah just always just in general just conscious of like your impact of street skating but the ultimate thing of me saying this is that like i don't think anything would change for me for street skating because i think i love the kind of inconsistency of it it doesn't feel sterile it feels like you're creating something like fresh and it's reactionary and it's never quite the same spots come and go like how do you all feel about that because you do have like quote unquote one of the best skate parks in the world but you still love right. street skating and you still actively right. do do that in your town. But you're like, um, I mean, I'm guessing Joey must be 40 as well. Your parents, yeah. you're members of the society, but like you're also doing this act that at times could be a little bit destructive. So how do you, how do you both navigate? For that? sure. Yeah. Well, I think when you, when you say the skate park is sterile, I think it's because, you know, it's a facility that's designed for these tricks. So it can feel a little bit, dictated to you how you're supposed to use all these objects like you have an idea in your head this is a quarter pipe i roll up it i slide on the coping i go back down this is a ledge i slide across it and this is a launch box i gap from one side to the other and i'm very grateful to have a really nice skate park in my town it, it's helped me become a lot better technically at skating and and joey too it's a great place to go and exercise all of your different skills but i think of it like a playground there's something about yeah for sure um there's there's something about street skating where it's more open-ended it's less dictated to you like what you're supposed to do in that location or on that space so it's like easier to get into a mindset of, of creativity but a, a good mental trick and something we try to do not that we are always successful at it but it's good to go to if you're gonna skate a park uh to pretend like it's a street spot so like how would you how would you look at that space or whatever if if it was a if it, if it was a street spot yeah and it it can change your experience of it but it's funny how you have to try to trick yourself out of yeah out of it being a sterile place um, so I, I I love both. I love going to the skate park and skating, but it's important to street skate to if if you're if you're concerned with like innovation and creativity, a lot of that happens on the street. Even though it can be like a mental trick, like there are things you could have done it in the skate park, mm. but, but the odds of you doing it probably aren't as high because you'll be distracted you'll have your blinders on because of this beautiful quarter pipe that you see that you just want to like 
session in the quarter pipe. You know, I, I, I've never really had the um, hold the opinion of like skate park tricks are less than street tricks. I know that that was no, no. held held by people in a particular period of time. And also, yeah, I always hated, I always hated the like the rule that you shouldn't put skate park in in an edit. Yeah, that always bugged me. I think if, totally. it, if it's good, and, it's good. And and I like I I and also will say I love skating skate parks too. Like I just sometimes find the really newer ones to be a bit less sterile because they're kind of too clean at times. Like I really do love skating yeah. certain skate parks that like are of an older generation. Oh um, yeah. That just they just have a little bit more. Um, it I, like you wouldn't have thought of it at the time because you really would have seen it like oh it's Park and Street they're different. But even now, just because there's like really really like elaborate skate parks that are so well designed, the you know the polishing of the concrete it's just it got to a level of the way they do it now. So they didn't have it before. But so like right, the, and there's almost been a yeah. standardization about yes. like the the grade of the of the bank. And like it, it's like a, it almost feels like a regulation bank and a regulation quarter pipe. Whereas like the, some of the older skate parks, they didn't have those defined concepts. So you'll find really weird quarter pipes that maybe don't go to, to like a, a vert, or they're extremely dramatic. Or you'll find like really steep banks. Um, and I love it's- old skate parks for that. The, the yeah. more uniqueness in in the objects. In, yeah, they're 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 more homogenous now. Particularly, as certain yeah. companies uh, are good at it. So, like, uh, people investing money probably want the best outcomes. So it's like, oh, these people are professional at it. They've like executed this. This is a portfolio. Let's yeah. get them to do it. But it almost seemed like, yeah, back in the day, like, who are these different construction companies that were kind of doing it? And who are the people right. involved <laughs> with the design process? It also made me think, like, it was like someone's dad, did, like. Yeah, that's interpreting like how, these how objects and make... yeah it's like you, you've definitely seen those galleries of like the bizarre skate parks in the world that have just like so yeah. oddly shaped but i think <laughs> yeah. even within limit those limitations like if you're creative enough you can actually find something usually in them definitely but, yeah definitely yeah yeah and we still yeah. there's there's uh in kamloops there's you know the greatest skate park in the world and there's also the worst skate park in the world uh, the worst skate park in the world, uh, it must be maybe 30, 40 years old. Um, there's a famous story about Tony Hawk and his tour going to the old skate park. And Tony Hawk was like, this is the worst skate park that I have ever been to. It is so bad. Um, and it's so wet. Is that the so one that weathered. you and Joey skate a lot that's like got the banks and there's that section where like the bank sort of turns into like a flat ledge and there's fences all around yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. That that yep. I mean to me that that presents itself as something really kind of fun. I actually would love to see yeah. that. The design of it is actually really interesting. I really like it, but the ground is so extremely weathered. It's yeah. probably it's probably worse than a lot of the street spots that we hit in terms mm-hmm. of the smoothness of the concrete like it's so freaking rough. Yeah. Um, and and a lot of the parts like where you know, the bank meets the ground. There's just like a huge crack on it. Like it, it's very dangerous. Like kid, kids yeah. go there, they just, they just get messed like up. Street. <laughs> we're, we're really hoping that the city eventually uh, rejuvenates it a little bit, even just with like a new 
layer of concrete on the ground, it would be like super right. fun. Cause like you said, like the design of it, I don't mm. think is terrible. It really aids to like creativity and, and it's easy to think of it as a street spot because it, yeah. it, it feels like a street spot. It doesn't really feel like a skate park. It's so rough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but we'll, we'll tell people, we'll tell skateboarders that we still go to that park and they're like, what? You go there? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. But yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good spot, even though it's rough. Mm. One of my favorite skate parks, I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but is the LES skate park in New York City, the one that's like under that big bridge. They had the Boshi Pope skate off last year. Yeah, yeah. I love how like it almost just encapsulates everything of what like this idea of skating used to be to me, like mixed in with like street culture and um, so like you know an urban activity you know a very city street graffiti concrete chain link fences like like that skate park's like it's smooth but there's a little grit to it you know all around it and like yeah there's something like how it has personality i love that and that's and and that's where it's like yeah i'm not just a street skater like i would give anything to always skate that skate park um totally there but like it's there's something about those environments that like I really love that it's almost like a um yeah skate parks are like a community hub too obviously you know like yeah we we have a couple parks uh in the area you know like a couple hours out of town they're like sacred facilities to me like old Mm. uh old weathered skate parks like there's this one in Sycamuse um Some of the objects are are pretty standard, but some of it is like really different and really steep banks. Um, sure. And th- those facilities like are just yeah, they're sacred to me. Like if they got torn down, I would just be absolutely devastated that I couldn't go right visit and and skate and like people don't probably people that live in those little towns they definitely don't realize how special those places are to other people they might oh, think sure. oh this old park no one ever uses this thing right you know it would be yeah. strange for them to imagine someone that lives a few hours away that it's like a very important location to them just to visit like a couple times a year no that's very very true yeah, it's fun. It's 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 funny how skating often can be like that. That uh, it was you know even street locations have become so important to yeah. you know a culture that like other people like might have just had seen them as such as an eyesore. Um, yeah. I think the greatest example of that, which seems to be like it was like a space that the city didn't really ever use for anything quote unquote practical, is like. The Brooklyn Banks, right? Like, think about how yeah. culturally significant that is to not, you know, obviously to roll betting, but you know, even more so to skateboarding and to other of the, you know, activities within the action sports world. That um, and it's crazy how how a spot like that is even it's world famous. Like, yeah. I've never been there. I live in a different country, yeah. but I know the Brooklyn Banks. Like, it's this iconic yeah. street spot. Yeah, and, and it's like you know, cities might not even be cognizant that it has had this cultural impact, you know. Yep. Yeah, and people do who are within like you know skating communities definitely like travel to see that you know spot, like have done so in the past, yeah. you know. Um, 
skate. I am. That's the one thing I'd never have never skated. I always wish I'd got the opportunity to. Um, I uh, like they had the the nine stair like session just around the um, Metrocar Classic uh, weekend, which was really fun to yeah, skate. I it was it was, it, yeah. it was cool, you know, to be a part of that, you know, for its like historical significance. But I got to actually go over and like kind of just peek through the fences of the um, the other, you know main areas of what's considered the Brooklyn banks. And um, it was actually cool to see that like the banks itself aren't torn up. Like all the bricks are still there like this. It just doesn't yeah, have a yeah. flat bottom. It doesn't have a flat bottom anymore. Like the flat bottom uh, where all the bricks were like on the ground, they're all taken up. But the actual like bank itself, you know, like it goes from the flat yeah, bottom like yeah. up to those walls. They're all still there. I thought they'd taken all of the bricks mm. off and there was no banks anymore. So it kind of made me give, there was an element of hope of thinking, oh, maybe they'll just, you know, like surface out the ground. They probably won't put the bricks back, but maybe it'll just surface the concrete or something. And maybe, I mean, you only want to hope that they'll like make it so the banks are still accessible via skating. You never know what they can yeah. do. They could do all sorts of things. But, um, but I still think like, there's that thing of, of street skating that even if a, an iconic spot does change, if and when it does open back up and it's a little different, maybe that just will offer new interpretations of like how to go about it. Or it could be Definitely. completely inaccessible, but who knows? I, you know, yeah. skate stoppers are a great example of that. And I think, you know, I, I've personally tried to like u utilize them in unique ways of like, um, you know, using them to my advantage of like turning them into something that can create a possible trick, a possible movement rather than like, yes, they're hindering one type of movement, which is sliding across the entire thing. But like, maybe you can, you know, I've done tricks where you, um, you hop between each one, you know, like right, there's right. always, there's, there's sometimes it just takes you to think beyond what's, uh, the original intention. Um, that might definitely have to do with, the creative revolutions in all of the sports, rollerblading, skateboarding, biking is just the, the fact that there's less, there's not as many perfect rails and perfect ledges. It might actually be a blessing, even though people yeah. get frustrated with it, it might might have just, creativity. You know, took away that distraction and opened up yeah, a whole new that, world. Yeah, because that was kind of a golden age of, um, of those obstacles, because it was a sort of a, yeah. a new a new-ish um you know, activity, like, you know, waxing ledges and sliding on them or grinding down handrails. They were so new. So Skate stoppers you know, didn't exist. That's yeah, like a new technology. And architects didn't worry about, yeah. you know, if if the location was going to be overrun with kids. They just thought, oh, this looks really pretty, yeah. all these nice rails and ledges. They didn't think, and like, they, and they might have oh, we shouldn't build built, this. They might have even built and designed, like, decades before, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of fascinating in, 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 in that way how it's changed. Yeah, I like there's something kind of amazing about whenever you do come across those like legacy spots that still exist. They're an old ledge that Whoa. has been there forever. You know what I mean? Like it's Ooh, yeah. Or, or or a rail that was like still the original material that's been there for decades. Like it's the old hard steel oh. that they used in rails um i know you know what i'm talking something about something so special <laughs> yeah it's something so special about a, like a street ledge that's existed for a really long time that so many people have hit yeah you know you get that those layers of wax 
and like it's imperfect and oh like just sliding it it feels there's something really special about that like I really appreciate it because we don't have any real we don't really have any ledges like that in Kamloops really I mean we have we have like a maybe a three inch high curb that Joey and I skate quite a bit and that maybe we've been hitting that for you know maybe six or seven years but like a really nice like ledge does not exist in Kamloops yeah which you know it's a blessing and a curse I mean it would be nice to have like I'm talking about how awesome it is to have these ledges but it's also awesome not to have those distractions because you have to make something out of nothing absolutely absolutely and it's I you know it's also parallels life in a way that like nothing is permanent nothing lasts forever um, no you know these beautiful ledges that like once were a thing in the 90s like in uh, a public school you know schools get funding they get remodeled those things are gone you know and they now they yeah. just exist in a time you know and and, and maybe hopefully they were documented but also sometimes there's something beautiful about something that and this is speaking to the the times that we live in but there's something also beautiful about the memory of something that was never documented that was like oh yeah photographed it's just told by like almost just like there's a a mysticism to it because it's like it's by word of mouth did you have that like yeah. growing up? Because there was like in my small town, I remember there was this, the best skater of of all of like the area was Peter Dunham, and and he still rollerblades now. Actually, he lives he was, he's been living in Sydney for years. But there was this big handrail that was like a t- nineteen or twenty stair inside a shopping center. Like it went up to like you know the um the the cinema, the movie theater, and I remember hearing that he did that rail, you know, and like he kind grinded, he kind grinded the cinema rail. And it was this legend, <laughs> but there was, I never saw any footage of it. Um, I mean, I know that he did it hands down, but it was that thing. You're just like, dude, Peter Dunham did that. You'd go, I'd go to the shopping center with my family, you know, when I was like 12 and I'd look at this rail and I would try to imagine it. And I remember yeah. being 13 and ending up at that place. Cause I, I ended up becoming somehow like, even as a 13 year old in his orbit one time skating and we, and, and he and a couple of others did hit that rail so i got to see them i don't think i don't remember him kind grinding it but he probably front row out or top sold or soul or something but um yeah that sort of like you know the the mysticism of certain tricks that existed that beyond a kind of like video recording uh is so strong in an older generation it can almost become more legendary because it lives yeah. in your imaginations as yeah. opposed to like, like a, a digital documentation and you know it's up to your imagination to think about like what he did and how he did it and yeah there's definitely what's, something what's your comments on that now given the fact that like there's pros and cons to both of it but like yeah so I, sometimes i was thinking like is is the is there like the death to the skate video at this point um because like I always try to think of like what it would be like starting as a brand new role better now where seeing any like any new video of a role better will come up like probably every second if you if you refresh Instagram, you know, and you follow yes. enough people. Yeah, You'll see yeah. something new of role every second. Whereas like I didn't see role in a moving form until like well other than like, you know, in a movie of people skating around like the Mighty Ducks, but like in terms of aggressive yeah. role I don't think I saw it until 
my dad like took a trip to Melbourne and, and bought VG7 and brought it back uh, yeah. as a gift, you know, from the skate shop. And that was the only video for like maybe until like, later that Christmas, I was lucky to get another video from the sports store. But yeah. seeing skating now like so much in constant, it's such a different, um, it's, it's a whole different world. And it's also a whole different way of navigating it because you put stuff out, but how quickly it becomes like, you know, it could still be on your feed, but how often are people scrolling back to a, you know, a 2015 post um, in 2023 when you've got a timeline yeah. that's like stuff of, at this point, those apps want you to post every day. Um, and certainly stuff must get lost unless you like are really oh, yeah. impacted by it and you have a good memory. Whereas in the past, you know, like videos really um were like a marking point for certain things because you saw it you could reference back to it it became a part of not you know as a, a video library whether it was your own or your friends or just like the idea of it being in a video library across the world you know is a yeah as like a concept it's strange how that's i think of- i think we're very lucky to have lived through that generation i think the experience that we had watching skate videos because it was so rare to see new skating, it was so impactful. And it was like when you got a new video on VHS and you experienced it after being starved for months, years at a time, seeing no new footage, when you saw that new tape and it was like a window into modern rollerblading, there was always those leaps in like new tricks and new ways of dressing. And it would just fucking blow your mind. Like, yeah. like it was so intense and you would watch that same VHS on repeat, like 50 times in a row. Um, that, that experience I think is extremely rare now because there's just so much content at our fingertips and we don't appreciate it as much. The experience of seeing new skating, it, it doesn't have any impact um, but to answer your question, I think skate videos are even more important now um, to create um, experiences for, pe- for people that are more impactful than an Instagram post. Yeah. Um, that people at least do have to invest some time into into watching. I don't think I don't think it'll be experienced the same way it was in the '90s, but I definitely think it's a healthier way to consume content is in like a longer form where, where it's like, it's, it's a world that you're witnessing um, maybe that people have worked on over some months or years. And it's like a group of friends that are collaborating and kind of, you know, creating this world for you to witness. There's, there is something important about that as opposed to just putting up some, some Instagram clips yeah, like I'm as addicted to Instagram as everyone else, but I'll often find myself yeah. like just scrolling through, just seeing skating. And in the back of my head, I know that it's not a healthy way to experience skating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that I would be better off not seeing this, but I'm addicted yes. to it. Like I can't stop. And that's bad. I think we're all addicted to it. Um, yeah. And it, it would be healthier if we could all fucking get rid of our Instagram apps 
and just watch full full length videos. 100% that would be healthier. Sure. But nobody's going to do that because we're all addicted to the juice, you know. Absolutely. Which is, which is a shame. I I got to get going pretty soon. Okay. Um, That's totally fine. But, I've been thoroughly in, in during this conversation. Yeah, this has been an awesome awesome chat. Um we should do it again. Maybe in, in another year. Maybe another year? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think uh let's see what 2024 presents itself with and uh you know, I'm just a phone call away. Nice. Yeah, well I I really look forward to uh the next the next project that you decide to uh put your energies into. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And same with with uh with you and Joey, you know. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if you have been working on something over the course of this, you know, summertime and, it, you know, you're going to work on putting it together or something just, you know, evolves next year. But, uh, yeah, always, always. You're, you're never not doing stuff, which is uh, wonderful to see. Yeah, we're cooking up something at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm addicted to the, the process of, of making stuff. So. <laughs> and I, I, I know I've t- I told, you know, Danny and Stuart, like, I've, I do hope to come up at some point. Like it doesn't seem like it probably won't be the this this end of this year, but we never know. But uh Yeah, let me know. Maybe I'll if I am there and... this time I would love to you know make that effort to come see the two of you. Yeah, calls from the bank, part two. All right. We'll be calling. Yeah. Yeah, call me. I'll come. All right, buddy. Nice chatting. You too. Speak to you soon. Say hi to your family for me. I will. Thanks, Robbie. Bye.